Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning. And welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. My name is Donna Pritchard. I'm the pastor appointed to serve this church, and this is... I'm Brittany Dean, and I'll be helping to lead worship this morning. And it is indeed a delight to be together on this beautiful, if somewhat smoky, Sunday morning. <laughs> and so let's welcome our folks who are worshiping online with us as well. Welcome, friends. I hope that you will take a moment to fill out the Connect card. It's a QR code in the bulletin, and it should be in the pews in paper form as well. It is especially important if you let me know of a prayer request that you might have. That's the best way to get that information to me and then through me to our prayer team, if you would so desire. And now, my friends, if you would rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Please join me. God is the one who hears our cries and is moved by our suffering. God is the one who speaks a word to us of comfort, of challenge, of calling to care. We come together to worship for God to capture our attention. For God to call us out of our routines and give us a vision of hope. A calling to the movement of God's justice. Be present in our worship, God. Quiet our resistance, motivate us to action, and empower us with your love. For we have come to worship for comfort, for challenge, for care. So be it. Amen. And now, my friends, living together on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, we want to begin our worship by reconciling our hearts to God and one another through the passing of the peace. You can share signs of peace in whatever ways are comfortable for you and your partner, and we invite you at home to do the same, perhaps even sending a text to someone inviting them to share in the peace of Christ. And now, my friends, the peace of Christ be with you all.
here in front of the chancel. My name is Mrs. Lynn, and my good friend, Miss Lily, is in the back. And she's going to come forward and invite you to come up, and we'll have some time together. Now, how many of you know Miss Lily? Oh, this is bad. <laughs> Miss Lily is <clears throat> a sophomore at Edmonds Woodway, and she is an awesome part of our youth group. So we are going to do this together today. Now, <clears throat> you can see that Miss Lily is holding a picture of a sneech. And I am holding a picture of a sneech. Miss Lily's sneech has a star on its belly. My sneech does not have a star on its belly. We're going to hear a story about sneeches and listen carefully to the story. <clears throat> you will see that the star-bellied sneeches they think they are better than the plain belly sneeches. And the plain belly sneeches feel sad because they don't have stars on their bellies. <clears throat> but one day, an amazing thing happened. A man came with a super duper machine, and do you know what it made? It made stars. So let's watch the video and see what happened. Star-bellied sneeches had bellies with stars. But the plain-bellied sneeches had none upon Mars. No stars on their bellies. No stars upon Mars. Now those stars weren't so big. They were really quite small. You would think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star-bellied sneeches would brag. We're the best kind of snitch on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. They'd have nothing to do with a plain belly sort. Ronald, remember, when you are out walking, you walk past a snitch of that type without talking. Keep your snoot in the air and remember to snort. We have no truck whatever with the plain-bellied sort. When the star-bellied children went out to play ball, could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. You only could play if your bellies had stars, and the plain-bellied children had none upon Mars. And the Starbelly Sneeches had Frankfurter roasts, or picnics, or parties, or marshmallow toasts. They never invited the Plainbelly Sneeches. They left them out cold in the dark of the beaches. Then one day, it seems, while the Plainbellied Sneeches were moping and doping alone on the beaches, just sitting there, wishing their bellies had stars, a stranger approached in the strangest of cars. My friends, I have seen they've been treating you mean. My name is Sylvester McMonkey McBean. I know precisely why you're so unhappy, and that I can fix. I'm the fix-it-up chappy. 
I work with great speed, and my work is 100% guaranteed. You'll get a star like the star-bellied Sneetch. A star? Here? <laughs> video, <clears throat> we saw that the plain belly sneeches felt bad because they didn't have stars. <clears throat> but the man made stars so that everyone had a star. And that kind of reminds me of something like what God would do. God loves everyone no matter who they are and no matter what has happened to them. That means that God loves me and God loves you. Sorry. <laughs> we, we don't need stars on our bellies, but sometimes we need someone to remind us that God loves us. And sometimes we need to remind somebody else that God loves them. I made a little reminder, and Miss Lily is going to hand this to you. There's a um, star in here, and I want to see if you can read what it says. Oh, sorry. Alessia, can you read that? What does that say? Yes. What's that say, Matthias? God loves me. Harrison, that says God loves me. All right. That's a reminder for you to remember God loves you. <clears throat> now I have a little homework. Do you know you get homework in church sometimes? <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> this is your homework. Can you think of someone that you could give a star to, to remind them that God loves them? Maybe you know somebody that is feeling a little bit sad, or lonely, or bullied, or maybe you have somebody you really love that you want to remind them that God loves them, or maybe you see somebody who does a lot of helping of other people and you want to remind them that God loves them. So. <clears throat> This is your homework. In these bags are stars that say, God loves you. I want you to think of some people you can give those to. And just maybe an amazing thing might happen. It may be that because you gave them a star, they will know God loves them because you showed them that God loves them. So <clears throat> I thought maybe we should practice one. So I'm going to take this star to remind somebody <clears throat> that God loves them. See, this star said God loves you. Now, <clears throat> I know a person who does a lot for other people and shows them how much God loves them. And I know that this person even went to the hospital last night to visit some people who didn't, um, who needed to have some comfort. And those people were so happy to know that God loved them because this person came to see them. So I am going to give this star to that person to let that person know how much God loves that person. Will you come with me? Come with me. 
We'll, we'll see if we can find this person I'm talking about. Who do you think it is? Is it me? It's you! <laughs> she didn't know I was going to do this. Mr. Donna, God loves me and God loves you. Thank you. And God loves all of you as well. So, do you see how we do that? So, this week, oh, this thing, this week, you can help somebody know that God's loved them. So, let's come here and we'll say our prayer. Okay? We'll just all stand up here together. All right? All right. Okay. Dear God, Thank you for loving everyone. Even when people sometimes forget. Help me to be a kid that helps other kids know that God loves them. Amen. Thank you.
Amen. Well, I want to give just a word of introduction to the scripture which Susan will read for us today. It is Psalm 94 uh, from a paraphrased version of it. Well, the book of Psalms is often thought of as the songbook or the prayer book of the Bible. Many of them were written for community worship. And most of them proclaim praise to God, but also may include a little bit of complaint. The Psalms are very human in the way that they address God. And that is certainly the case with Psalm 94. The lament, well, it doesn't appear that God reigns for the wicked prosper and crime does pay. And the psalmist here, is not denying any appearances of the present moment. And at the same time, he or she does not dismiss the hope of God's eventual justice. The author here gives us the conviction of a prophet, woe to the unjust, and the voice of a pastor. There is hope for the righteous after all. Like a prophet, the psalmist calls God to deal with injustice. And like a pastor, the psalmist offers encouragement and hope to those who are being oppressed. The message still rings true for us today. Let's listen now as Susan reads the scripture for us. Good morning. My name is Susan Morrow. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. The scripture lesson today is a reading from Psalm 94 from the message version of the Bible. God, put an end to evil. Avenging God, show your colors. Judge of the earth, take your stand. Throw the book at the arrogant. God, the wicked get away with murder. How long will you let this go on? They brag and boast and crow about their crimes. They walk all over your people, God. Exploit and abuse your precious people. 
They take out anyone who gets in their way. If they can't use them, they kill them. They think God isn't looking. Jacob's God is out to lunch. Well, think again, you idiots, fools. How long before you get smart? Do you think Earmaker doesn't hear? Eye Shaper doesn't see? Do you think the trainer of nations doesn't correct? The teacher of Adam doesn't know? God knows, all right, knows your stupidity, sees your shallowness. How blessed the man you train, God, the women you instruct in your word, providing a circle of quiet within the clamor of evil, while a jail is being built for the wicked. God will never walk away from his people, never desert his precious people. Rest assured that justice is on its way, and every good heart put right. Who stood up for me against the wicked? Who took my side against evil workers? If God hadn't been there for me, I never would have made it. The minute I said, I'm slipping, I'm failing, your God love took hold and held me fast. When I was upset and beside myself, you calmed me down and cheered me up. Can misrule have anything in common with you? Can troublemaker pretend to be on your side? They ganged up on good people, plotted behind the backs of the innocent, but God became my hideout. God was my high mountain retreat. Then boomeranged their evil back on them for their evil ways he wiped them out. Our God cleaned them out for good for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation.
please be seated. <clears throat> Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ, who calls us together this day. Well, we have made it to week four of our You Asked For It series, singing some of your most requested hymns and hearing sermons on requested topics or themes. Today, the question before us is probably the toughest one of the whole series, because it is not a new question. Indeed, it is a central question of all theology. Where is God in the midst of the injustice of the world? What are we to do with the whole question of evil? When I was working on this sermon, Diana texted me and said, so what are you gonna sing about evil? And I tried, let me tell you, I tried, but I couldn't find a single song that I knew that uh, would fit. So, here we go. Those of you who asked for this, where is God in the midst of injustice? <clears throat> you stand in a long line of philosophers and theologians, entering into a whole field of study and thought known as theodicy. From the Greek, theos, which means God, and dike, which means justice. Theodicy is an explanation of why a perfectly good, almighty, all-knowing God permits evil. The term theodicy literally means justifying God. Now, Christian theology traditionally offers two main approaches to theodicy, one stemming from the work of St. Augustine and the other from that of St. Irenaeus. The Augustinian tradition emphasizes the importance of the fall, that is, Adam and Eve's sin and expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Whether you understand that as a historical event or as a mythical representation of the human condition, this justification sees all evil as a consequence of the fall. The Arrhenian view, by contrast, looks to the future and assumes an evolutionary perspective. In this thinking, Adam's sin is seen mainly as a lapse due to weakness and immaturity. The fall is understood not so much as a catastrophe for the human race, but as something from which humans can learn. In this account, the world is seen as a mixture of good and evil, it is an environment of growth and development in which humans have the possibility of maturing toward the perfection that they were created for by God. Both the Augustinian and the Iranian approaches appeal to free will. The occurrence of evil is the inevitable result of human freedom. 
These views are based on the assumption that because free will is good, both in itself and because it enables responsibilities, or individuals to take responsibility for their actions, because of that, God permits evil as the price of freedom. Okay, so, theodicy. So what? We are still left wondering where is God in the midst of injustice? Now, the Bible spends a lot of time exploring this question. The Hebrew scriptures devote an entire book, the book of Exodus, to the experience of an enslaved people and their journey out of slavery into a nomadic life and culture. The prophet Jeremiah writes of his people exiled from home, oppressed by a foreign power, sad and bereft. The Psalms are full of laments from people experiencing the generational trauma of injustice. There is even a whole book devoted to the exploration of grief for a people who've been ravaged by war and violence, the book of Lamentations. Flipping over to the New Testament, the four gospels were written about the life of Jesus, himself born into an oppressed population in an occupied territory the child of a refugee teenage mother who goes on to be unjustly accused, tried, and executed by a powerful and corrupt system of collaborators and oppressors. So you see, the pain of systemic injustice is not ignored by the Bible but is a prominent concern in both Testaments, and it is a significant focus for the ministry of Jesus. Early Christian faith was indistinguishable from a concern for justice. And even today, it remains a key component of most Christian images of God's realm. We all agree that righteousness and justice go hand in hand. But still, we have to ask, where is God in the systemic suffering of people? Because we know injustice when we see it. And like the psalmist, we want God to put an end to it. We cry out, how long, O Lord? How long will you let this go on? As the plague of injustice continues to sweep across the earth, our collective cry of woe ascends from the crushing weight of suffering. How long? The course of human history Certainly the history of this nation, it is stained by injustice. Think of slavery and manifest destiny and the treatment of indigenous peoples or the struggle for women's suffrage or the rights of workers 
Or think of the denial of civil rights for whole groups of people, people of color, LGBTQIA folks, persons with disabilities, refugees and immigrants, sneeches without a star on their belly. <laughs> Think also of a system which seems rigged against the poor in favor of the powerful. Ours is a system steeped in injustice. In the 1800s, abolitionist Theodore Parker was asked how he could continue to hope that slavery would end given its stranglehold on the economics of his day. His response was grounded in the hope of God's justice. He said this, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The ark is a long one. My eye reaches but a little way. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by the experience of sight. I can only divine it by conscience. And from what I can see, I am sure it bends toward justice. That may sound familiar, the suggestion that the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice. Martin Luther King Jr. preached that same sentiment with those same exact words about a century and a half after Parker first proclaimed it. And you know what? It is still what we believe. It is still what we declare when we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The road is long and it may be rocky, but ultimately, slowly and surely, the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice and God's justice will be fulfilled. So how do we live in the meantime? How do we put flesh and blood onto this hope in the face of injustice as the sands keep shifting? Here is where the Apostle Paul may help us. In his letter to the early Christians in Rome, Paul gives us three pieces of advice. First, he says, we ought to hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. The world needs us to lift up what is good and righteous, generous and just. And we need to keep our hearts fixed upon that. God's justice is a focal point for our journey. It is the lighthouse guiding us through rough seas to safe harbor. It is the shining star in the night sky leading us home. Our words and our actions must bear witness to God's justice as we stand up to injustice wherever and whenever it occurs. Run for dear life from what is evil. Hold on for dear life to what is good. Secondly, Paul says, 
we must practice solidarity. He put it this way, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. This past spring, we lived out Paul's instruction to stand together. As we held a vigil to tell the world, we side with love in the face of hate. Whenever others are treated unjustly, whenever anyone is oppressed, we are called to identify with them and to stand together and offer the great power and strength of solidarity. Rejoice with those who rejoice, yes, and weep with those who weep. Finally, Paul tells us to steer clear of vengeance. Rage can lead to hatred which corrodes our spirits and blinds us to hope, destroying everyone it touches. Paul's suggestion may be countercultural. Certainly it is counterintuitive when he says this, don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone. Don't insist on getting even, that's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God, I'll take care of it. Scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. So where is God in the midst of injustice? Look around you. God is present in those who work to overturn unjust systems, to bring the love, the light, and the truth of God's justice to fruition. God is present in the intuition of the oppressed and the ones who stand in solidarity with them, recognizing this is not the way the world is supposed to be. God is present in all of our often fumbling, inadequate, yet heartfelt attempts to put things right once and for all. God is present in you and me when we answer the call, how long? The arc of the moral universe is indeed long, yet still it is bending toward justice. Surely we must lament the injustice and confront its lies. But just as surely, we are to rest in God's promises. Again, as the psalmist says, God will never walk away from his people, never desert his precious ones. Rest assured that justice is on its way and every good heart put right. Rest assured, God is present, even present in us. Thanks be to God, amen.
Let us pray. How long, O Lord, how long? We cry with the psalmist and the prophets, with your spirit and with your Christ. How long will it be before we awake to your calling for justice? We are your hands and feet in this world. If you are to be found in the midst of injustice, it must be you are found in us. Give us today the faith we need to trust in your goodness in spite of our weakness. Give us the vision we need to see your love in the world in spite of human failure. Give us the strength we need to continue to pray, but also to work toward the world as your love would have it, a world where the weak are protected and none go hungry or poor, a world where the riches of creation are treasured, protected, and shared, and everyone can enjoy them. A world where all cultures and races live in harmony and mutual respect. A world where we no longer need to ask, how long? For the answer has already been given, as your will is done, here on earth, even as it is in heaven. So now hear us as we pray together the prayer which Jesus taught, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I invite us into a time of giving. The offering plate will be passed in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to be generous as God has been generous to us. If you are online, you may give in two ways, either through the website using the Give button in the top right corner or via mail. In order to give online, please go to edmundsumc.org give. And in order to give via mail, please send checks to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020.
God, we offer here today our money, time, and talents. If we reflect on them for long, it seems we could have easily found our own ways to put them to good use. But in an act of faith and faithfulness, we give to you. Generous God, bless the act of our offering. Use it to build in us a habit of trusting you. Loving God, bless the gifts of our offering. Use them to benefit our church and community in ways that we alone could not. Amen. Please be seated. Excellent. I have a couple of announcements that I want to draw to your attention. There are a number in the bulletin, as well as a, a prayer list of folks uh, to remember who are in need of prayer of one kind or another. But first, I want to just share a thanksgiving with you, because you may not have noticed that Bob and Sue Dixon are here in person today. <laughs> and we are thrilled. We are thrilled, indeed. Uh, so I wanted to lift up to you two things. First of all, right after this worship service, uh, join us in Wesley Hall for the next step in our strategic planning process as you will be given the opportunity to learn a little very simple tool for finding out more about what are the needs of our neighbors and how might we as a church seek to address them. And then secondly, I wanted to lift up to you the announcement in the bulletin about Homecoming Sunday. This is very exciting because as a part of Homecoming Sunday, we are going to have a chili cook-off and you could win the coveted golden ladle. So get your chili recipe out. I'm not sure you'll be able to beat mine. Uh, there are sign-up sheets on the welcome table for you to tell us that you'd like to bring a pot of chili. And uh, we can all be testers that day. We can all get in on the action of figuring out which one deserves the golden ladle. And of course, there will be no cheating on this. This is a very serious contest. Uh, so mark your calendars, uh, September 17th, homecoming, chili cook-off. And without any further ado then, please stand for the closing hymn.
Now, my friends, let us go out to be God's people in all God's world. Let us go out remembering that people are illogical, self-centered, and yet we can love them anyway. Let us go out remembering that the good we do today will be forgotten tomorrow, and we can do good anyway. Let us go out remembering that the arc of the moral universe is long and it bends toward justice and we can help it bend anyway. May the peace of Christ go with us. Amen.